What a heartbreaking loss in Motown. Coming up on this edition of the Die Hard Den Podcast, Shawnee J and I look at the Lions' devastating loss versus the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday. Hey, he's back with another iPride profile on a Lions legend. And we break down the Lions' all-time team announced Sunday at halftime. All this and more coming up on this edition of the Die Hard Den Podcast. Watch out. Here comes that roar. What up, though, and welcome to the Die Hard Den Podcast. This is Kurt Steele, and as always, I'm with my man, Shawnee J. What's happening, people? All right. It was a heartbreaking loss in Motown on Sunday. The Lions played their hearts out. couple plays here and there. Could have went either way, but I'm happy with the effort, but we'll get into all that later. However, can't win them all. We took the L on Sunday, but we took what most people consider a Super Bowl contender to the brink on Sunday. So I'm actually proud of their effort. So what do you got, my man, on that right quick? I'm happy, too. Our offense can hang. Our offense moved the ball against KC. Offensive line kind of took a step back, in my opinion. We gave it four sacks. I was getting greedy. I wanted to see Stafford untouchable. I'm non-touch, you know, but Chris Jones, he got through. The, the honey badger got through in a blitz. Um, the offensive line gave it four sacks. And we get any. And I have a beef on the defense. Only rushing three pass rushers. I want to right. um, quarterback sacks. So we'll get into that. But you know how we do at this time. We always start the show with tell me something good. So, my man, you up first. Tell me something good. Well, my tell me something good is uh, a promising rookie, TJ Hawkinson. He did some kind of silly and foolish in the game. We all saw it. We tried to leap over that KC defender, and the guy um, grabbed his leg and twisted him around, and forcing KC to, excuse me, TJ, to come down awkwardly on the side of his head and shoulder. It looked bad. You know, he laid motionless for several, for several minutes. The training staff all came around him, surrounding him. It brought up memories of Mike Utley. That, that's not cool. But, you know, afterwards, TJ sat up. They brought the cat out. He sat. He sat up in the cart. They, they um, gave him a ride out. He returned to the game. He's in concussion protocol. Ever he should be okay because the report was he didn't have to go to the hospital after the game. He's feeling fine. He's in good spirits. And um, he wasn't put on an injury reserve list. Hopefully, he'll be ready for the Green Bay game in two weeks on Monday Night Football. So, TJ, wow. please don't do that. If you do, did you see the picture I posted in the group of Billy Sims classic? Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You bring yourself out of Billy Sims, 1983. Do the, the Kung Fu Billy kick. I hear you, my man. All right. So, this week, my Tell Me Something Good is about the Lions and the community outreach they keep going into the community. Um, four Lions hosted the game of the week. It was a game from Royal Oak Shrine versus Bishop Foley. And four players were the honorary captains, Kenny Galladay, Christian Jones, Tavon Wilson, and Will Harris were the honorary captains. For the game, they gave out some swag to the people that attended the game, and they continue the excellent outreach in the community. So big shout out to the Lions and the four players that hosted the game of the week. And also, uh, one interesting tidbit, and looking online today on Twitter, 
The Lions at two, one, and one are the fourth team in the power rankings for the USA Today for the NFL section. So the Lions are doing something right. They are number four in the USA Today. Most other polls, they are around 11, I think ESPN 14, middle of the pack. But And some power rankings are in the top 10. So they're showing their worth. They're playing hard. They're resilient. And I think it's going to be a good rest of the season. Their first quarter being 2-1-1, one, one, I'm not mad at that. Most individuals, really, if you look at some of those preseason rankings, they had the Lions going on fourth or, or at least 1-3 and three in their first quarter of the season. So yeah, moving well, on. Had him going 0 and 11 to start the season. Wow. Games. You saw that. Yeah, I did see that. That was definitely um, something where we need to address that. So the Lions have said they, they're not taking no, no mess this year and they're here to compete. And one thing for sure is that Matt Patricia has changed the culture in that locker room, bringing in some players that know what he's about and know his system. And the other players are picking up on it. And with the new offense, things are going to take off. Now it is time to go on the ball. Now let's talk about the Lions offense during the game. And as always, the offense starts with my man behind center, Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford played a decent game. You know, he had the one fumble but he went 21-34 for 291 yards, three touchdowns, and a quarterback rating of 118.6. I believe he outdueled Patrick Mahomes. He spread the ball around. Ten different receivers caught a pass during that game. So what do you think about my man Stafford's performance in the game on Sunday? I love Stafford. I've always been a Stafford supporter. Um, he played a good game, efficient game. I'm sure he won a lot of people with some fantasy points or in the fantasy league with those three TDs. Um, he got me some. Exactly. <laughs> I started him. He um he lost the fumble, but after they were robbed of that touchdown, that wasn't totally his fault. And once again, that brings me to the offensive line. The offensive line, they didn't play as well as they did had prior two weeks. They gave right. up four sacks, some pressures to um Kansas City. Now, I know Kansas City's line is tough, but if we're going to beat our best offensive line in football, we got to beat the bets. And um our interior line, especially um Dahl, um, Graham Glasgow, and and um can you. Wiggins. Yeah, not Kenny Wiggins dog, um, and the center Wagner. Yeah, we mm-hmm. you know, they had a tough time on Sunday against the Chiefs. Um, they they had a high PFF for the game. I don't know what their PFF was after the Kansas City game, but to me, they didn't play as well because they didn't protect Stafford's where he got sacked four times. But um, Terion Johnson had a good game running the ball and right. that fumble. He was very careless with the ball on the goal line. You just don't lie on your back in the pile like that and stick the ball out. That was stupid Harry, I'm sorry. Uh, you're a great talented player, but you should know better than trying to mess like that. That was too risky, too dangerous. And he got right. So, um, but back to a man, Stafford, he played efficiently. He led the team to victory. He led him to the game-winning drive. You know, the nice touchdown pass to Kenny Wiggins. But like I said, in the group of defense, they couldn't get a stop when we really needed. We'll get to the defense in a minute. Yeah. Can they got all they did catch that touchdown. All right. So speaking of Carryon Johnson, Carryon Johnson had a very prolific game on the ground. 26 carries for 125 yards. He averaged almost five yards a carry, and he caught two passes for 32 yards, which is 16 yards per care, uh, excuse me, per catch. For my standpoint with the offensive line, they took a step back in the passing game, but it took a step forward in the running game because this is the first 100 yard we give uh, we've gained all season, and we took advantage of a vulnerable uh, Kansas City defense. Against against the run and you know 125 yards from carry on Johnson is a really productive day they took a step back in the passing game
game, giving up four sacks. However, Stafford did have a pretty decent game passing the ball, almost 300 yards passing. Now, he did lose those uh, sacks, did push his stats back to 261. He lost 30 yards on sacks. The offensive line, yeah, they opened up some good holes for Kerryon Johnson, but they did a lot of those four sacks. Like you said, they need to definitely um, protect the franchise. But I like the way that they run block this weekend. Kerryon Johnson has some good holes to go through, and so did some of the other backs. With that being said, what do you think about the running part of the offensive line, my man? Yeah, the run game looked fine. Even um, J.D. McKissick, he made some nice runs. And so I just McKissick guy. You know, uh, um, the Lions, they, they um, increased their team speed in the secondary. We talked about that many times. About a secondary and some got them faster. We'll get in that in a minute. We talked about the defense. But the run game, the running backs, they got them faster. They cut C.J. Anderson, who was a big, big bowling ball, short yards guy. And we got um, four guys who weren't small. They're not the Rich Rodriguez 180-pound back type running backs. They got pretty good size, y'all, over 200 pounds, and and they have good speed. And we, we like more like Michigan offense trying to run speed in space. You know, they picked up J.D. McKissick on waivers from Seattle because he has good speed. You know, Danny Amendola, he didn't play, but you know, he says pretty good speed at this point in his career. Um, Arian has good speed. Ty Johnson has good speed. So, yes, our three of our running backs. No, I'm not, I'm not too sure about Paul Perkins, but three of our running backs have great speed. Right. So we traded size for speed at the skill positions, and Patricia likes them big at the on a on a line linebackers. Even right. though, even though um we're getting this for me, we talk about defense. Um, great Reeves Maven, he has good speed. He has a great size, just good speed. And right. remember, I talked about that. You wouldn't get too big because the issue a couple years ago about the Lions where they lack speed on defense. They had a bunch of slow guys. So right. So you got to find a fine balance. But I I mentioned the group that the Lions have gotten faster in the secondary and at the running back position. Correct. So, but the offensive line, you know I'm a big offensive line man. Yeah, we block well, run block is good. Well, I, I prefer to uh, protect the franchise. I don't see the franchise quarterback getting hit at all. Like some games, Tom Brady does this uniform thing dirty because he never gets hit. Now even after throwing the pass. That's the right. point with the Lions, you know. Uh, all, the best offensive line is the Dallas Cowboys, Patriots, Eagles. People say in the pass, they can both protect passer, protect quarterback, and open holes. The Lions want to get to the point where they can do both efficiently. Right. I feel you. Looking at the raw receiver core, very efficient. Like we talked about in the earlier in this segment, that Stafford spread the ball around to 10 different receivers. Really the most prolific day, in my opinion. Kenny Galladay definitely made some great catches. Now I will say, those two touchdowns he caught were great catches. The one at the end with the toe drag swag was an awesome catch. He high pointed the ball, grabbed it with his hands, dragged that foot, and was able to get in the end zone. But that first one that he caught was a absolute rocket from Matthew Stafford. But in between four defenders, many quarterbacks in the league wish they had the talent to make that throw. And Matthew Stafford did it with ease. Good game from Kenny Galladay. Marvin Jones had another excellent day catching the ball. It was a good all-around effort from the receiving core. I really don't have anything negative to say about the receiving core. What do you got, my man? Yeah, I'm just happy Kenny Kenny Williams must have listened to him. You must have sent a message to him on Ken, uh, Kenny Galladay. <laughs> yeah, Kenny Galladay. Yeah, excuse me, Galladay. You must have sent a message to him. Don't toss the ball away so quickly after you catch a touchdown. <laughs> it gets scary, you, you know, because that worries me because he did have a Calvin Johnson moment mm-hmm. on that first touchdown they took away. So I think he realized that too. I think don't be so quick to throw that ball. Ball away 
touchdown pass. Hold on to it for at least your five seconds, five second rule, and then okay. you can spike it, throw it away, throw it in the stands, whatever you want to do with it. Oh, make sure it's official. Mm-hmm. The official raises arms. And one more thing about the receivers, like I said, the Lions have increased their team mm-hmm. speed. Um, when they got that guy Melvin, where he came from, he has pretty good speed. He's been around for a while. Is that a working? Yeah, has- Marvin Hall. Was, yeah, he definitely had a great catch that over the shoulder down the sidelines and able to keep both feet in. That was a phenomenal catch. Good throw by Stafford. Stafford was dropping dimes all over the place. So, yeah, that was a definitely a excellent, excellent play by Marvin Hall. One thing I did like is that uh, Daryl Bevel, he caught an aggressive game. I mean, start to finish, they were on attack the whole game. And that's the way that the Lions should play the rest of the season. It doesn't matter what team they're playing. They need to be aggressive in their play calling and go for the jugular. That way, there's no doubt in anybody's mind what's going on on the offensive side of the ball. Don't play passive, play aggressive, play to win. Don't play just to hold on to the score. I want to see them run the score up. So there's yeah. no doubt in anybody's mind who won that game. And don't leave it up to the officials to decide for you either. Right, <laughs> right. That's definitely, you don't want to do that. And we talked about my man Hawkinson, you know, he in that percussion protocol. That touchdown he made was a spectacular catch as well. I mean, Stafford just kind of found him. He uh, sat down in the end zone. He made himself open, gave him a good throwing lane to uh, make a pass and he caught a touchdown. He was just got to keep himself on the ground. My man, just keep your feet on the ground. I would say he's a bigger guy. Try to run the guy over. Don't jump over him. Just, just lower your pad level and ball the guy over. That's just yes. my opinion. You got the yes. size. You can run over any of those smaller um, defensive backs. If they tackle you, they tackle you. But please keep yourself on the ground, man. None of this jumping over people, making this spectacular play. I think that, that play started in college a few years ago and people were just trying to adopt it in the NFL. NFL. I know it's spectacular and it looks good, but it is a detriment to players' health and somebody's going to get seriously injured going up in the air and getting flipped on their head or neck. Or just protect yourself a la Billy Sim Kung Fu kick, you know. The Kung Fu Billy kick. Now, you don't want, you might not want to do that because you might get a personal foul yeah. <laughs> and get a 15-yard unsportsmanlike conduct and might get tossed out the game, but we'll talk about somebody else who yeah. we'll, we'll get into when we two points converse and talk about another player who's just, I don't know, I, I don't know what's going on with that guy, but we'll give it to him later on. So let's get to the defense, my man. Now it's time to defend the den. Let's talk about the defense and the guy I want to talk about who is taking really the league by storm this year. Tracy Walker is a tackling machine. He led the Lions again on Sunday. 12 tackles. He had a few for a loss. Tracy Walker has become a hitting machine. He is up there in the league lead in tackles. I think he's top of the league for safety tackles. What do you think about my man Tracy Walker and how he's playing this season? I like Tracy. He's the reason why they like Wilver Quinn walk. They felt Walker was um ready to play, ready to step up, and he's made some plays. He's made like a good tackles. To me, I still want him to make some more plays. Maybe I'm greedy. Maybe I'm too unreasonable. Tell me if I am. I want to <laughs> shut down receivers, get more picks, and, and shut down receivers and let them catch the ball. Because I saw a few times where a receiver beat him on passes, and I want to see him be a shutdown safety. No pass and get by him. He's either going to pick it off or knock it down. Um, am I being too unreasonable when I say that? Well, I understand what you're saying. However, you have to look at the, um, the offense. 
I believe that Kansas City came into the game with a good scheme where they knew how the Lions play defense and they knew it's tough to throw the ball deep on the Lions. So they ran a lot of crossing routes and those crossing routes create natural rubs or picks and that lets the receivers get a little more open than we would like. I get what you're saying. You want him to play more aggressive and tighter man coverage so he can knock some balls down or intercept them. Yeah. I get what you're saying, but I think he's playing good. Um, yeah, he is. I want another, to see him play all pro Hall of Fame level. <laughs> well, he's going to get there. He's only his third year in the league, so you got to give him a little bit of give him a little bit of breathing time. Man, everybody ain't Sean Taylor. You know, it can come in the league and change the game. He's still kind of learning the game right now, but he's a good athlete. He's got good size. He can tackle. Like I said, he's leading he's up there in the league lead with tackles at any position but I know he's at the top of the league as a safety in tackles now another guy who stepped up and had a pretty good game was Tavon Wilson now he stepped up big after Quandre Digg went out with a hamstring injury and he was second on the team with 11 tackles. Tavon Wilson played a pretty good game. Didn't let a lot of things get past him. He was good in the run game. Tavon Wilson, I appreciate the effort. He stepped up. He says, hey, I'm still here because you know we thought, I know we talked about it in the preseason that we thought Tavon Wilson was going to be run out of town by some of the younger talent. But the Lions kept him on and he's showing his worth, not only playing special teams, but really being that third safety on the field, especially when Quandre Diggs went out with the hamstring industry. Yes, um he's played well. He did, you know, he was viewed as being a prime cap casualty this mm-hmm. offseason, but he stuck around. He I think Patricia likes him a form. He coached him in New England. Um, he can still play. He has some offer. But I do miss mm-hmm. um, I to see Diggs, but we already missed um, Slay, who set up the game with injury. And Quante mm-hmm. Diggs, he's our honey badger. He's our Palomalu. I, I really love Quante mm-hmm. Diggs. Hopefully he's re- he'll be ready to come back in two weeks as well for the Green Bay game on Monday night, as well as the Sean Han and TJ and a few other guys we have out. So, right. I, and once again, we'll get into it and more talk about the defense. I still keep going to back to that article about how the Lions have one of the faster, if not the fastest secondary in the NFL, and it's showing. Okay. All right. Now, one thing that was a bright spot before we get to the dark side of the defense, um, a couple more things that I like that was positive. The defense cost three fumbles. You had yeah. Agnew with a punch out. You had Coleman, and that play with Coleman, he waited until the guy got off the ground, and then he punched the ball out. And Trey Flowers with a with a strip as well. Three turnovers. I like differential. Um, we actually won that one. We were plus one. We gave up two turnovers and actually had more, uh, caused more turnovers. Um, I like that fact that we are being aggressive. They're punching the ball out. They want to turn the ball over, and they're actually succeeding in that area this season. So what do you think about them causing those fumbles? I love it. I love the aggressive defense. Um, Coleman actually victimized Sammy Watkins twice when he right. stole a touchdown from him and knocked the ball away out of his hands, and when he knocked the ball out for a fumble recovery, deep in KC territory. So I really right. love the aggressiveness. I love the strips. I love getting turnovers. I want to right. see some more interceptions and more quarterback sacks. I want to have an right. awesome Pittsburgh still in 19, circa 1970s or Chicago Bears 85-type defense. I want right. to see the team, team be aggressive. Yes, right. I love it. Yeah, Justin Coleman was another bright spot. He had two pass defense, and that one was in the end zone. And he actually, uh, Casey settled for three points And after that uh, play. And uh, he had four tackles with that forced fumble. Coleman played a hell of a hell of a game. 
Big shout out to Justin Coleman. He's proven to be worth the money that we spent to bring him to Detroit. Now, let's get to the negative. We still struggle against the run. Now, the Lions had more rushing yards than the Chiefs, but we still gave up over 100 yards on the ground to the Chiefs. Um, I just don't like that. And that was a strong suit for us the second half of the season last year. This year, we're just not selling down right now. Uh, we have a few people that's hurt in that interior line, so you can't keep them as fresh. If you look at, you look missing Mike Daniels, and we're missing Deshaun Hand in that middle of that defensive line. So the rotation is kind of shorter, but we want to get Snacks more involved. I'll be happy when we can get Mike Daniels back and also Deshaun Hand so we can keep that rotation fresh and get some better run defense in there. However, Trey Flowers has a good PFF score against the run this year. He is doing his thing. But we have to get that interior of the defensive line better. Now, another thing that may be causing us to struggle against the run is that Davis is still getting back into football shape because he spent a lot of time on the bench. So hopefully he'll run in the form here after the bye week and we can get him rolling when we go into, excuse me, when Green Bay comes into town in a couple of weeks for Monday Night Football. We, we're going to Green Bay on Monday Night Green Bay, that's right, I, I forgot. And I like the fact that we're going to Green Bay early uh, this year instead of going late where it's... Um, the ice bowl up there in Wisconsin. Um, yeah, what do you think about the the run defense there on a, on Sunday? A little disappointing pieces. I thought the run defense will be you know solid if not impenetrable, especially at the side Mike Daniels hasn't quite worked out the way because Daniels uh, he's hurt Philadelphia. Uh, hopefully be back soon. I don't know if he's going to play at Green Bay. Hopefully be back soon. They say it's not a season ender ending injury. We can really use him. And Sean Hand we can use him too. It's to me snap. He's not making the plays he did when he first came over to Detroit last year. I don't know why that is. Maybe Kings are double and triple teaming him. But um, I think once we get all our guys healthy, like especially Hand and Daniels back, and Ashawn Robinson has been playing well, I think we'll be fine. It's going to take some time. I'm sure they'll make some adjustments over the bye. Right. Now, that was an egregious miss on the penalty, actually, yeah. that against Snacks at the goal line on that winning touchdown. Yes. The offensive lineman was choking snacks from behind how do you miss that call i, I don't yeah. see it i don't see that it's how do you miss that call right there yeah right he's there. right there standing in the back of the end zone i don't see how they and there's another there's line judges because it happened on the goal line yeah where is the referee to see that choke hold uh, is blatant hold on snacks harrison down there which would have pushed that ball out to the 11 and which could have possibly changed the outcome of the game. Who knows? So, uh, yeah. Right. Now, we talked about this a little bit off air. You said that you definitely would like to see more sacks on Patrick Mahomes. I think the Lions played a effective type of defense on Mahomes because they made him throw from a stationary platform. If you look at Patrick Mahomes, he throws better on the run. He makes spectacular plays with his feet. If you get him moving, he's more effective. If you make him sit back there in the pocket and actually throw the ball, he struggles a little bit. You can see when he had to throw from the pocket, he was overthrowing the ball. You know, his rhythm was out of whack and they were pressuring him, but they were making sure they stayed in coverage. That was a good plan. However, you know that we didn't win the game. It was, was it the excellent plan? No, it was good. And it gave some teams a blueprint on how to defend the Chiefs going forward. Yeah, I, obviously, I feel like being aggressive. 
I like going on taking the opposing quarterbacks head off. I love the quarterback sack. I don't like that, you know, prevent or, you know, rush three, three passers, three rushers. I don't like that. Um, I want to go after aggressive. I like to see the blitz. I love to see us kill the quarterback. I love the quarterback sack. I love the home run in baseball. I love the slam dunk in basketball. And I love the quarterback sack in football. So, All right. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you, my man. All right. Let's round up the uh, defense. One quick little note on the special teams. Uh, Prater, perfect day. Three for three on field goals. Three for three for extra points. Martin had a pretty good day uh, punting the ball. Three kicks for 131 yards, a 43.7 average, and a 49 long. Um, he had one where he downed them down there within the 20-yard line. Now, overall... The Lions played a good game uh, against one of the top teams in the league, and they hung in there tight. In my opinion, the Lions are the real deal for this season going forward. What do you say, my man? I agree with that, but we got to um, close our games. Um, we got, like I said, we can't get conservative. We can't get conservative on offense or defense. We got to stay aggressive on both sides of the ball. Um, I, and it may not be their style, but I wish that they would, you know, buff quarterback more, you know, with lessons and pass rushes, you know, so just rushing three guys, rushing standard four at least, and um, send a blessing linebacker. I remember reading an article last year that Pascal only, Paul Pascal only, the Lions mm-hmm. coordinator said that quarterback sex aren't a big deal. It's about getting pressure. That doesn't make sense to me. Quarterback sex you know, talk to Deacon Jones or Reggie White or, <laughs> or anybody about, you know, to tell them that quarterback sack is not a big deal. Well, if you look at that traditional uh, Patriots or the Matt Patricia defense, most of your quarterback pressures and sacks come from linebackers, not defensive linemen or defensive ends. But um, Devon Kennard is having a decent season. He's up there in sacks. For the Matt Patricia defense and the Bill Belichick's um, school of, you know, you play situational football. And if you have a line that's going to be able to block so the Lions are going to play coverage because that's the defense, what it calls for. But if they have a line that they're playing against is susceptible to the uh, pass rush, then he's going to send some blitzing linebackers in. It's just something we're going to have to get used to in Detroit as far as Patricia's defense, where even in those defenses, um, like we said a few minutes ago, that the linebackers are the ones who bring the pressure. Uh, the defensive ends or defensive linemen, they play uh, containment uh, with the run, and they want to keep the quarterback in the pocket and let those linebackers run back there and create havoc once they cause some blitzes. I think uh, once we get a little bit more into the season and the situational football changes, we'll see some more blitzing linebackers from the Lions, my man. Hope so. <laughs> All right. So with that, it is time to go to two points conversing. Now, in two points conversing this week, I'm going to start it off and you tell me what you want to talk about after we get done with this topic. Vontes Perfect out of the Oakland Raiders made an egregious hit on Jack Doyle and got suspended for the rest of the season. This guy, he's almost been suspended a whole season in his career for his dirty plays. Now, he's up for appeal uh, tomorrow. Now, he's with the team in London, and I think this is going to stand. You know, people talk about Ndamukin Sue, but Ndamukin Sue has nothing on Vontez Burke. He's just been a headhunter. He's caused concussions. Um, to me, he's just a dirty player, my man. That play does not belong in the NFL. I mean, he's trying to hurt people. To see him lower his helmet into uh, Jack Doyle's helmet was ridiculous. Him blowing kisses to the fans going off the field after he could have really seriously injured or ended that young man's career is something that 
that is really classless and should really cost him his football career. It was bad. Um, so this guy never learned. He hasn't learned his lesson yet. I mean, once a once a snake, always a snake. You know, they say what they're saying. A leopard never loses spots, or a tiger loses stripes. Whatever the saying goes. Montez Burford, he's been a dirty player since high school. I mean, he's been making those in college too, and in the NFL, he's been doing the same shit. Excuse my language. His entire football career from the beginning, probably in little league too. A dirty player, that's one of his last he's not gonna stop. I heard Mike um Mike and Mike, excuse me, Mike Greenberg, former Mike and Mike, his own show now, get up. He said that Burfick should be suspended in the league permanently, never play in NFL again. And um that might just that just might happen. Maybe unintentional because no once he gets suspended, no team will ever sign him to a contract. You know, the Oakland Raiders, they take chances on historically they taking chances on players of questionable histories and past, but um, mm-hmm on the Raiders or the Cincinnati Bengals who are known for the same thing who can you play for so this um, Burfick may have um, just NFL career never play again because all this is like so this is the 14th case he suspended that's got to be some type of record he almost has a whole season that he's been suspended from the NFL with the games I would say this to his credit he is an excellent football player he's just stupid I mean to um, what is what's that um doing same, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different outcome I mean that's ridiculous to keep playing like that and he's better than that his talent is better than that he is a excellent football player and he doesn't have to play dirty he can play clean and still be a pro bowl caliber all pro caliber linebacker and just the stuff he does to me is just for lack of a better word again stupid he's another um, Bill Romanowski. You remember Romanowski? He was very dirty. Yeah, Romanowski. And I, I was saying um, a little bit ago, people complained about a Dominican suit, and Dominican suit never did these hits uh, Vontez Burfick has done. Yeah, he, 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 he stepped on a player, you know, tackled the quarterback a little hard, flung him to the ground, but it wasn't never where he uh, hitting the guy in the head, causing him concussions. He could have ended Antonio Brown's career a few years ago, and he could have ended Jack Doyle's career on Sunday. So, to me, good riddance, Dantes Burfick, you got what you deserve. And before we move on, you may see this post I made in the group, and I made this post in other groups. If you're going to suspend Burfick for life, you should suspend the coach, Greg Williams, for life, too, the dirty defensive coordinator, sometimes a coach. He's been known every place he's been to teach his offensive players to try to purposely injure offensive players. Even remember this this season when um, Odell Beckham Jr. accused him of trying to injure him? When right. He was nice and played the Browns. And now Odell's with the Browns, and some Browns players confirmed what he thought. Yeah, um, Williams told us to go after you, probably not get the game for injury. So to me, that's just as dangerous. And I thought after the the bounty gate suspension at Greg Williams and other guys involved never should have been allowed to work in the NFL again. See, we right. hasn't changed either. So if you're going to suspend um, or blackball Vontaze Burger for life, you need to give Greg Williams a lifetime suspension as well. That's my thing. So I don't like that. I don't yeah, like that. I hear you. I understand what you're saying. I get what you're saying, my man. All right. That's two points conversion this week. We're going to go to the break. And when we come back, we're going to have another Our Pride Profile on a Lions legend. And I am so excited about this guy this week.
Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we're back from the break. And my man, Shani J, bless us with another Our Pride Profile on a outstanding Lions legend. Yes, Curtis. This um, week's Lions legend profile is for you. Um, <laughs> Ask for by Papa Jermaine about a place kicker, one of the better place kickers in our history and certainly Lions history. Um, ladies and gentlemen, children, before there was Matt Prater, before even Jason Hansen, the best kicker in Lions history was one Mr. Eddie Murray. Eddie Murray was born in Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada on August 29, 1956, was raised in Vancouver, British Columbia. And while there, he played many sports. He played cricket. He played he played cricket and he played fearless rugby and he played tennis, but he never played in football because at the time his team didn't have a football team. He played a little junior football after high school and he was always working in a lumberyard. He had no attentions on a professional career ever while playing amateur football. He was noticed by the coaches at Tulane University at a football camp. They gave him a tryout. He, he impressed the coaches so much, he offered him a four-year scholarship on the spot and played for Tulane University down in New Orleans, Louisiana. Down at Tulane, Murray was a kicker that started kicking all four of his years, seasons there. He set all types of Tulane scoring records. He was all South. He was all conference many years. And when he left Tulane, he was an all time scorer. In 1980, the Lions made Eddie Murray the seventh round draft pick as he replaced the great Benny Ricardo, who was, um, I love that name, Benny Ricardo. Benny Ricky Ricardo. <laughs> remember, remember Benny? Yeah. Anyway, Eddie Murray is a rookie. He made all pro. He led the Lions in scoring. He was all he made the all rookie team. He made he was a Pro Bowl kicker twice for the Lions in 1980 and 1989, almost a decade apart. But he was one of the most reliable kickers during the 1980s for the Detroit Lions at a time where, especially in the latter half of the decade, where the Lions, I mean, the Bill Rogers regime was kind of sorry. This is similar to like they were under the Matt Miller regime. Sorry, folks, but that can real. Yeah, but despite his reliability, he missed one of the biggest kicks in his life, which led on playing style. And of course, the playoff game against San Francisco on December 31st, 1983. Um, he gave the line a victory, but he missed a 43 yard field goal. Um, that's what he's best remembered for, unfortunately. But I think he's a much better kicker than that. Eddie Murray's last season with the Lions was 1991. Because the next year they drafted Jason Hansen with the second round pick in 92. So the writing on the wall was there for Eddie. They were somebody younger and it was a stronger leg. But Eddie continued to play. He played for the next decade for several teams. For instance, in 1992, he split time between Kansas City and Tampa Bay. In 1993, he played for the Dallas Cowboys where he won the Super Bowl ring. In 1994, he kicked for the Philadelphia Eagles. In 95, he kicked for the Washington Redskins. He sat out the 1996 season, but returned in 97, kicked for the Minnesota Vikings. He sat out in 98, but returned to the Cowboys in 1999, 
before finally finishing his career in 2000 at the Washington Redskins. So Eddie Murray, one of the best kickers in Lions history, still the second all-time leading scorer. Had Hanson and Silver, the missionary, with his wife and young father. So there you have it. Eddie Murray, your man. All right. My man, Eddie Murray. Uh, one of my earliest, really, memories of watching Lions football is uh, Eddie Murray around that Billy Sims era. So um, I love the profile. I appreciate that, my man. Big ups to my man, Eddie Murray. All right. Now it's time to go to Now You Know. And this week we have a topic that was a big part of the Lions game this Sunday. Now You Know is brought to you by Foster Camera Solutions. For your home or business security needs, call Dan at Foster Camera Solutions for a free estimate at 248-672-8640. With no monthly fees and self-monitoring from your smartphone, computer, or tablet, let Foster Camera Solutions design a security camera system that fits your needs. You can also visit their Facebook page for more information at facebook.com slash Foster Camera Solutions. Remember, Foster Camera Solutions when securing your home or business. What up, though? This is Kurt Steele, and welcome to this week's edition of Now You Know. This week, we're going to cover Section 2, Article 1 of the rule book, which is declaring a dead ball. Now, in the Lions' loss to the Chiefs, there was a play where the Lions thought a dead ball was declared, and it was not, and a fumble on the goal line was ran back for 100 yards for a touchdown. This is the same officiating crew that a previous week had declared a dead ball that cost the New Orleans Saints a touchdown on a similar play. So as always, let's hop to it. We're going to read the rule and break it down for you. Article 1, Section 2, Dead Ball Declared of the NFL Rulebook states, an official shall declare the ball dead and the down ended, one, when a runner is contacted by an opponent and touches the ground with any part of his body other than his hand or feet. The ball is dead the instant the runner touches the ground. A runner touching the ground with his hands or feet while in the grasp of an opponent may continue to advance. Okay, let's break it down. If his elbow, wrist, his forearm, the knee, uh, the shin, the calf, any parts of that body, his butt touches the ground other than his hand or foot, the player is down and the down has ended. Or one, when the runner is held or otherwise restrained so that his forward progress ends. That means forward progress has halted, the player is running, the defensive player or players has stopped his progress. So instead of letting the play keep going, and to avoid risking injury, the referee will blow the play dead. Next, two, when the quarterback immediately drops to his knee or simulates dropping to his knee behind a line of scrimmage. This is the old victory formation. Quarterback takes a snap and drops to his knee, or he simulates that 
to let some seconds run off the clock and then drops to his knee. In either instance, it is a dead ball. Okay, note, if that quarterback does not immediately drop to his knee and is contacted by a rushing defender and it is unavoidable, it is not a foul for unnecessary roughness if the defender contacts that quarterback. It does not constitute unnecessary roughness unless he makes a contact with the quarterback's head, with his arm, shoulder, forearm, or helmet. Okay, moving on. When a runner declares himself down, the play is going to be whistled dead. And they do this by, one, falling to the ground or kneeling and clearly making no immediate effort to advance. This happened a couple years ago in the Lions-Rams game where Todd Gurley was running toward the end zone. Instead of going in to keep the clock running, he just slid down around the one or two yard line. Or two, sliding. When a runner slides, the ball is dead. The instant he touches the ground with anything other than his hands or feet, that's when the quarterback is sliding. Or like we said in the previous instance, when Todd Gurley decided to keep the clock moving and he just slid down. The play is also dead when a player runs out of bounds. We know this to be true. That is a common rule in the NFL that a play is dead when the runner or the ball goes out of bounds. When an opponent takes the ball that is in the possession of a runner who is on the ground. If he's on the ground, the play is already stopped. So you cannot strip a ball if the player is on the ground. When a forward pass, illegal or legal, is incomplete. That means the play is over. Once a pass is incomplete, the play is dead. When any legal kick touches the receiver's goalpost or crossbar, unless it scores a field goal. Well, if it scores a field goal, it's a dead play anyway. However, it's not arena football. If it touches the goalpost, it is a dead play even if he misses the kick or not, you cannot be returned if it touches the uh, goalpost. When the ball is loose and comes to rest anywhere on the field and no player attempts to recover it, the official covering the play should pause momentarily before signaling that the play is dead, before signaling that the play is dead. Any legal or illegal kick is awarded to re the receivers and any other ball is awarded to the team in the last possession. When awarded to a team behind the goal line, the ball is placed on the one yard line. So if a player just drops the ball and it just sits there and be it an offensive defensive player, you know, drops the ball, the team in the last possession is awarded the ball if no one attempts to recover it. Now, if it's a kick, scrimmage kick, or, you know, just a, a punt, and it sits there for a while and no one attempts to grab the ball, then it is awarded to the receivers. Plain and simple. When a touchdown or touchback safety or field goal or try has been made, after that, the play is dead. You cannot keep going after one of those plays. Pretty self-explanatory, but it's in the rule book. When any receiver catches or recovers the ball after a fair catch signal, valid or invalid, has been made provided the ball has not been touched by an opponent before or after the kick strikes the ground. So the player uh, calls for a fair catch and, or like say if it, in a kickoff and the player just kind of lets the ball go into the end zone after, uh, after waving his hand or after a punt and it goes into the end zone, the ball is dead. Provided that another player hasn't touched the ball, and it strikes the ground, the play is dead. You know, kind of self-explanatory, but it isn't. So if a player signals a fair catch and catches it, ball is dead. If it goes over his head into the end zone, the ball is dead. 
Okay. When an official sounds a whistle erroneously, when the ball is in play, the ball becomes dead immediately. So if a referee blows an erroneous whistle, the play is marked dead and the down is over. When a fumble is recovered or caught by a teammate of a fumbling player and the fumble occurs on a play that is subject to the two minute or fourth down fumble provisions in the rule book, which is 8-7-5 or 8-7-6, which we have not covering in this, but we'll get to it when we cover fumbles later on in this series. Okay. When the ball is out of bounds, a play is dead. If a loose ball in a play strikes a video board, guard wire, sky cam, or any other object, the ball is immediately dead and the down will be replayed at the previous spot. Let's get into this one right quick. This is what happened a few years ago when Jerry World opened up AT&T Stadium out there in Dallas, Texas, and they had that big video scoreboard in the middle of the field and punters was kicking the ball into the video scoreboard, or you have these the sky cameras that were invented by the XFL, and now the NFL uses them, and they have these cords that run along the field on wires that zoom back and forth. If the ball touches those wires or any part of those video scoreboards, it's automatically dead, just because of the fact that that was an unintentional interference on the field, the down will be replayed. Okay, and lastly, for safety reasons, the referee can blow the play dead. If a runner's helmet comes off completely for safety reasons to make sure that player is not uh, injured and hit in the head and his head is unprotected, the referee can blow the play dead. So there you have it. Article one of section two of the rule book, the dead ball. If you don't know, now you know, like my man Biggie Small said, baby, baby. Now let's get back to the Die Hard Jam podcast with my man, Shawnee J. back from now you know and one thing we want to do right quick is go over the lions all time team that was announced on sunday now if you were not at the game you didn't have the opportunity to look at the list um, i got it off of the instagram because it actually isn't on the detroit lions.com page but Let's kind of go over what we're looking at for the Lions all-time team. Now, the first name on the list is my man, Al Bubba Baker. Next, you have Lim Barney, Benny Blades, Lomas Brown, and the defensive tackle, Roger Brown. What do you think about those first five guys? The first five guys, most of them have already been on our, our prior profile, my man, Shani. Yes, I love the I love the picks so far. I have no problem with any of those guys out going to Lions all time team. All right. Then you have the safety, Drake Christensen, the quarterback, Dutch Clark, which if it wasn't for him, Matthew Stafford would still be wearing number seven. Right. You have wide, re- <laughs> wide receiver, uh Gail Hodgel. Yeah. You have a uh, defensive tackle, Lou Creek Moore. 
cornerback Jimmy David, Don Dahl, the safety, the guard, Gover Ox Emerson, your man, defensive tackle Doug English. Yeah. The center, Ed Flanagan, another center, Kevin Glover. Kick returner, my man, this uh, Mel Gray. Yes. The other kicker in Lions history, Jason Hansen. Then we have Megatron bringing in. Uh, and then Alex Karras rounding out the first part of the list. And we know you have some strong feelings about Alex Karras that he think he should be in the Hall of Fame. And I agree with you on that, my man. So that that's first cool. half of the list was some very big names, my man. So we gonna have some. If that's the first part of the list, we must have some really big bombshells on this other side of the list. Right, because he listed them <laughs> alphabetical order. Now let me say about one thing about Harris. Yes, he should be in the Hall of Fame. He's a, he's really the true Lions all-time leader in quarterback sacks because he has unofficially because quarterback sacks was not a a, a record kept at the time he played. He has 97. He's been credited by Lions historians with 97 and a half career quarterback sacks all the Lions. That's two more than the official leader, Robert Porsche, has, who another one of my favorite players. Right. You know, he's, he's an all-time 1960s team. He should definitely be in the Hall of Fame. The only thing keep him out was that um, year-long suspension for gambling. But Paul Horning got suspended the same year, 1963, for the same reason as Karras House for gambling, but of course Horning's in the Hall of Fame. So mm-hmm. so should um Harris should be in there too. All right. Now let's go over the second half of this list. The original 81 on the line, Dick Knight Train Lane. Well I did a you have, Yeah. Yeah. And actually um just to segue on this uh I saw on Fanatics today uh Dick Nike Train Lane Jersey on Fanatics.com. So you want to get those good throwbacks. Uh, I've seen a few out there, and Dick Nike Train Lane was just popped up today. So uh, don't be surprised if you see me popping up on uh, on Facebook with one of those Dick Nike Train Lane jerseys. All right. Uh, safety slash punter, Yale Yari. Yale, Yale Larry, yes. Yale Larry. Old school, oh. 50s and 60s, yes. Big time quarterback, Bobby Lane. In the 1950s, one of those three titles. Yep. Right. Quarterback, cornerback Dick LeBeau. We talked about him, the Lions all time yes. leading interceptor. Mike Lucci. Oh, yes. He's a great linebacker from the 70s. Your man, you did last week, Herman Moore. Or Calvin Johnson. There was Herman Moore, who was the Lions all time leading receiver for Calvin. Um, fullback Nick. Ooh, man. Peter Rasante? Um, I'm sorry, you faded out. Who was that again? Nick Pritchard? Yeah, Nick Pritchard. Yep. Yeah, he um he played with the Lions in the 60s and 70s. He was a pretty good player for him. Then you got your man, Robert Porsche. Definitely. You know Porsche from the 90s and 2000s. Right. Lions official all-time sack leader. Then you got the two Sanders, Charlie and Barry. Oh, yeah, I think um I did profiles on both of them. Barry was the first one to the profile on. Yep. And of course, he, you know, I, you know who he is. And Charlie, he is still the greatest tight end line sister until Hawkinson proves on the line. Right. And then you have the big fullback. This is my guy right here, Corey Schlesinger. Yeah, Corey was always a fan favorite. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't have many yards mm-hmm. in, in his career, 
but he was always a hard worker. He was a great blocker, um, pretty good receiver. Um, but, you know, he was always a fan favorite, definitely, because he's hard play, hard nose play, mm. hard hitting style. Then you had your linebacker, Joe Smith. Definitely, Mr. Lion, the Hall of Famer. Yep. One of the greatest line, middle linebackers in NFL history and the former Lions coach. Then you had Harley Sewell. Harry Sewell, yes. He's an old school player for the Lions. Yeah. Back in the early days of 30s and 40s, he's old school. Then we got Kung Fu Billy, Billy Sims. My man. Poor Barry, yes, poor Barry Sanders, Billy Sims, the greatest running back in NFL history. But his career was way too short. Yeah, those, those injuries to his, uh, his legs, definitely. Um, then you got the um, great linebacker, Chris Billman. Oh, definitely. Lions all-time leading tackle. Now you have uh, Dick Stanfield, which is um, a guard. The old school, once again, he played back in the day in the 30s, 40s, 50s. Then you have the man, Dope Walker. That's one of the greatest one of the greatest running backs in the history of football. <laughs> yes. He, um, back in the 50s, early 50s, he won two, the first two titles with the Lions. Yes, he played in the early 50s. And uh, Alex, woo, Alex Wojciech, Wojciechowski. Yeah, Wojciech, okay, yeah. Yeah, I think Wojciech, I know you're talking about, yeah, he's the owner of the old school player play, I think, in the 30s for the Lions. Yeah, and I skipped his name on purpose, but he's the only active Lion on the list, quarterback number nine in the program, number one in your heart, Matthew Stafford is on the all-time Lion list. I think it's deserving. He has all of the Lions passing records. So um, very well deserved, my man. And if you don't know his real name, John Matthew Stafford is his name, but he goes by Matthew. So shout out to all those individuals who made the all-time Lions team. Well-deserving this. All those guys deserve it. They gave their hand and soul to this organization. Now, the obsession those who may be deceased, if you name, or couldn't make it because of illness, injury, because we know a lot of them are old. Mm-hmm. We got to make amends with Calvin Johnson. He was, he definitely wasn't there because he's still, there's still some heat between him and the Lions. But, you know, I hope they can reconcile soon. I won't see Calvin back in the Lions family way long. Right. And the Lions, the Lions hosted a fantennial on Saturday. So a lot of people who don't know those Lions legends had a chance to meet them over the weekend before the actual game on Sunday. So Lions class act hosting all those Hall of Famers, you know, those who are Lions legends, those who are in the Hall of Fame or the Ring of Honor. You know, they all showed up with their jackets on or if they, even if they were not in those two clubs, they showed up to the Fantinio and they showed up on Sunday to get recognized by the Lions. So now it's time for us to go ahead and get on out of here. My man, Shiny J, tell the people how they can find you on social media. Well, I'm on Facebook all the time. This is my name, Sean Jennings. I'm the admin admin of the Detroit Lions Truest Fan Group. I'd love to add you there. I keep everybody well posted on everything Lions, keep them up to date, even in the off season. So um, hit me up if you want to join the group. Let me know that too. 
Now, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at CurtisSteel14. That's C-U-R-T-I-S-S-T-E-E-L-E-1-4. You can also tweet the show on Twitter at DieHardDenPodC1 or email the show if you have any questions at DieHardDenPodcast at gmail.com. And as always, we appreciate you listening in to our show. We try to provide you with some good content. And like I said last week, um, I'm in school, but uh, classes are slowing down right now. So I'll be able to post some more fan polls and over in Detroit Lions Diehards Facebook page. Uh, I'm a member over there as well as the Truest fan page. And I'm also a member of several other Lions groups. It's not hard to find me on Facebook. So if you're in the Lions Facebook fan groups, you're able to see me. I'm all over the place. And as always, this is Kurt Steele. And for my man, Shawnee J, we are out. Yeah.